Coming up, with big performances this preseason from Harry Giles, Trendon Watford, and Armani Brooks, do the Brooklyn Nets have too much back-end talent for this roster, and who could they potentially lose heading into the regular season? We dive in next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is a Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you'll find Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And tell you, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. And in a lot of ways, Doug, the Nets may have to make a decision about their first, quote, purchase when it comes to this collection of players they brought in this offseason and it actually paying off that they a lot of them have looked good and maybe that creates a problem for the Nets before the regular season. Yeah, they've created something of a logjam here in a good way, but maybe not like, you know, ultimately a good way. This is going to be really, really interesting because we liked a lot of the offseason moves that the Nets uh, ended up going out and doing right. Like we liked the, the Giles thing came late, Harry Giles, uh, late, late signing, um, the trend in Watford, bringing him this in to see what he could do. Armani Brooks after sort of lighting up summer league, we were pretty into that one. And I think we're in a situation now going into this third preseason game where there's going to be someone that's played well in preseason. That's not going to be on the nets. <laughs> like, I think that's just where that's just the situation that we're looking at. I mean, two way contracts. I mean, some of these guys aren't even eligible, and we're just going to be in a place where it looks like the Nets might be the victim of their own <laughs> of their More own evaluations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a victim is your own evaluation because it's like one of these guys who's played well and we probably would like to see is not going to be on the team. And it might be because of, I don't want to call it poor planning, but the planning around these other old aging veterans who don't really seem like they have a role long term with the team. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if that's going to be a point of frustration here as we go into the season. Yeah, it's interesting for me because we say we'll start here at the top with Harry Giles, the third, who has a great second preseason game. And I talked about it in the post game that, oh, here is this mold of player that the Brooklyn Nets have not had, not just a guy that has some size and can obviously give you some rebounding on both ends, but has just enough of a shooting touch and a little bit of range that could really help this offense when you need to have some of that spacing. Do you, before we talk about maybe, you know, the Dorian Finney-Smiths of the world and how it prevents them, were you surprised at all by fans' reactions to that second preseason game for Harry Giles? Because nobody gets more excited than a young player than yours truly. And yet, what, I yeah. was on the more cautious end of like I was like, fantastic, like great, great performance. But this is how hungry they are to have that mold of player because I did not come in with the clear it out. Harry Giles needs a guaranteed five-year deal, which I mean, fans were not far off from that when it came to him. Well, it's funny with Giles, right? Because like he was a big prospect at one point, right? Coming out of Duke, he has injuries have just kind of cr- totally crushed his career. Um, yeah. And it's been really disappointing. And you, you combine that like sort of like, you know, late pedigree. Cause they, he got drafted in 2017. I mean, I was like, I was like 14 years old when he got drafted or something like that. That's the rough math around <laughs> that. But the, uh, no, but the, um, so you combine that with a fan base who has been absolutely starved 
to the yes. point of delirium, <laughs> like, to, <laughs> like to the point of just, to the point of just of just saying the craziest names you would ever hear for a center who fits this like mo- sort of mold. He's not even the exact guy because he's pretty slight of frame still. But um, but they've been di- people have been dying, dying, dying for centers who just rebound and that's just kind of what they do, live in the block, right? Mm-hmm. And so Giles sort of represents this post hype, post hype guy. A everyone loves that. So you get a little post hype, then you get this a fan base that's been desperate to bring in any kind of traditional center. I'm not saying traditional in a bad way; it's not a pejorative, just like more of like not a stretch big. Um, and then you get him just out rebounding, you know, the world clearly undersized. This clearly undersized Israeli <laughs> club team who has got some. They got some NBA guys, right? So, but whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And you just get this perfect storm of like we gotta get. Max deal. Let's get this guy in here. He's the answer. I can see why. I think he was probably a little bit of this was a he was a little bit benef, uh, beneficiary of circumstance here with no day because mm-hmm. I think this would have been these would have been all day numbers <laughs> if yes. he had just not been hurt. And so maybe he's the odd man out. But no, I, I'm not surprised by it. But I also know that it's probably a little overboard when you're even you're not going crazy for it. <laughs> Well, right, exactly. I don't know if I'm if I'm the barometer. I mean, good lord. But so so let's frame it then, as we will with all of these guys. What is their real path here, and what does it look like? Dayron Sharp is day to day, coming off that first preseason game where he tweaked the ankle, so it doesn't seem like that's going to be overly serious for him. But if you want to look at this team and the construct of it, well, this would be the the value of saying, well, these small ball lineups with Dorian Finney-Smith playing the five. We could maybe get away from them if we carried a Harry Giles in. Now, situationally, there's going to be difficulties defensively, et cetera. But I think that that's the way that you would you would look at this and say, if we want to stay a little bit bigger, great, we can carry him over. And let's just on him. Would you want to keep him on the roster going to the regular season and say, whether it's the trades, whether it's the injury concerns around that front court, let's just keep this extra body who at a minimum, health being a concern, has shown though, if on the court, he can at least give you a rebound. Like, let's just point stop, yeah. right? He can be a rebounder. He is a bigger body relative to what the Nets have. And then we'll see if the offensive game can find consistency. Yeah, I think that's just going to be the overwhelming question. And I think we get to the end of this episode, we can probably just make predictions about who's going to grab these roster spots. Because again, they really don't, they have, I think we it's one of these spots for, you know, one spot for these three guys, right? And so yeah. I think like we'll have to make sort of a prediction around, you know, who's going to end up being. Maybe we're not even ready to do it. We still have another preseason game here coming up on Monday. Um, there's other stuff that's going to that's gonna flesh out here around, you know, who ultimately is going to grab this piece. I think with Giles, he fits a need. But again, I have to remind everybody, this game, I, I just said it, but it's worth saying again. This was like break glass in case of emergency. Claxton was out. Sharp right. was out. Like right. those guys, you know, are already on the team and Giles cannot play with either of those two guys. And I think when you start looking at it, like from that sort of like mm-hmm. vantage point, it does feel like even though he's the most front of mind guy, because again, that's what's going to happen when you drop 16 and 10. Right. And, and, and look, you know, athletic doing it, you know, in 21 minutes, like he was piling it on. But I just think for him specifically, unfortunately, there's probably just too much context of why it was even able to happen. And I just think that that context for him is not going away in a in a way that like and it's just not versatile enough. Does that make sense? I just think I I get and it sucks. And I'm this is why this is kind of why I don't want like Royce and DFS on the team anymore. Just because I wanted to like like open up some trade exceptions, open up some money and like, let's just roll with these dudes going into the season and see what we have and flip it for some upside. 
because you have to be willing to, to take those risks at some point, right? You have to be willing to take the risks at some point on these younger players, knowing, as you mentioned there, these veterans are not a part of this team, maybe even beyond just this season, let alone beyond the trade deadline. So you'd like to see that. And we're going to continue to bring up those veteran players as we work our way through this conversation and turn our attention next to Trendon Watford, who I should have stuck to my, to my gut here because I, I said I wanted him. The Nets went out and got him. And then I, for some reason, put Darius Baisley over top of Trenton Watford. No, no, no. We'll dive in on why his skill set and his versatility is the exact reason why he should be a part of this team in the regular season. All right, before we get to that, I'll tell you about our friends over a game time. Look, when you are going and buying tickets, whether it's for a game, whether it's for the theater, whether it's for a concert, anything that can come up when it comes to buying tickets, you want the ticket buying experience to be fun. Not frustrating. Like the thing you're going to do is fun. Right? You don't want the ticket buying piece to be one expensive Two, You don't know where you're going to be able to see from your seats three. Like it's just super clunky mechanics. Game time has figured all of this out. They've just they've figured out the, uh, the ticket buying experience all the way through. You can know if your seats are good. You're going to find some last minute deals. You're going to be able to compare prices. You're, you're not going to be able to compete against other ticket buying services. Game time has solved this for you. Make the thing you're going to go do fun. Don't make the ticket buying experience frustrating. Right now, if you go to game time, they got the Brooklyn Nets tickets rolling. Now, it's probably a little late here if you're listening to this Monday. Not a $9 ticket starting for the Sixers-Nets preseason game. So if there's still time to jump on that when you listen to it, get over to game time for that. Otherwise, look ahead to the regular season. Cavs, uh, Nets, they got those tickets up there. Nets, uh, Celtics coming to the Nets. It's all there up for you on game time right now. Got to just hit up the game timeout. Download the game timeout, create an account, use the code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. You're not going to beat that. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right. When you are done with all that, make sure you're joining us over on Subtext. Look, you're going to get some insider stuff over on Subtext. Uh, we're going to get breaking news. You're going to get inside scoops, exclusive content. It's going to deliver directly to your phone. Plus, and here's the cherry, one-on-one conversations with both Adam and I over on Subtext. We're excited to have you be part of the Locked On Nets Insiders. you got to join on Locked On Nets Insiders now. Just text 973-559-2422 or... Join subtext.com slash locked on nets. Get in on the locked on nets insider action today. Join subtext.com slash locked on nets. All right. So as we continue our conversation on locked on nets about the preseason performances, too many good players, too much talent, Doug, always the problem. We knew the Brooklyn nets were going to have over the course of this off season and the log jam being created by some of these veterans. When we move on to trend in Watford, I said it there yeah. closing out segment one, that in the off season, you make your list. And I say, yeah, these are the young guys I think the Nets should go after. They're on the market. And then the first 19 of them, they do not get listed or, or pulled by the Nets. But I did have Trenton Watford as a young player that I was optimistic if the Nets took a chance on him. You can see in the short and long term how you could develop him. Right age, right skill set. And then we get this next level of him, which is the ball handling, which I did not come in thinking was a part of his game. Overall, though, versatile, athletic can run the floor, can shoot the three. And if he has any amount of ball handling, I immediately think about when we talk about, oh, forcing Royce O'Neal to bring the ball up the court. Well, force Trenton Watford to bring up the ball to the court. I'll watch the young, you know, sub 24-year-old do it before I watch the 30-plus-year-old do it going into this season. 
Yeah, I he's he's one that's got he's probably the one I'm most excited about. I know we talked about Giles first because it just makes sense um, talking about him coming off the game that he had. But Watford, just in terms of the overall versatility and size, be able to offer a few of the things that like Giles does while just being able to offer maybe even significantly more on the offensive end. He's mm-hmm. the kind of guy, you know, 6'8", 240 or whatever he is. He's right around there. Yeah, 6'8", 237. Uh, like just a big body. With some small handling skills, can space a little bit, right? Only one three pointer a game in 20 minutes last year, but shot 40% when he did it. Um, probably just enough of that, just young enough at 22, right? Like there's these, there's all these, like he doesn't check the boxes in any huge significant. Like when you look at Giles, you're like, okay, you'll have the rebounding, right? Like that's great. Like I don't think Watford has this one thing that jumps off the page, or even like Armani, who we're going to talk about here in a second, like has one thing that jumps off the page at you in terms that he does well, but he has enough things that he does good enough. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part where you get really excited. Cause like, this might be like, he might be more um, roster independent than some of these other guys. And I think that for where the nets are, or, you know, scheme independent, whatever for where the nets are, he probably represents the best chance at like sort of finding something that can fill a lot of different roles. Does that make sense to you? Is that you, are you on the same page with him? Because I think, I think he probably has the inside track, but I don't know. He'd be the one I probably, I'd say, Oh my gosh, I'd, I'd be bummed that they let him go. And he started balling out somewhere else. Yes. And I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And it, it is predicated on the versatility that he brings, by the way, he is just 22 years old as well. Harry Giles, 25, that, that doesn't make him yeah. old by any sense, but combined with the injury history. Doesn't make him young. <laughs> well, by the way, it's like, well, you know what? It's funny, too, because I thought about this when we had the conversation in the offseason, right? When's the prime of an NBA player's career and all those things? And, and you had it was one of the rare Doug pops off occasions on the Lockdown Nets podcast when people were like, oh, they're just, they're just scratching the prime as they hit 30. And so at 25, Having been in the league for a long time, having some mileage, like you can look and say, yeah, we could keep a player like that around and a year from now, two years from now, I'd say, and he's not on the roster anymore, right? And the other thing to me that you mentioned about being scheme versatile when it comes to Watford, if you're just thinking about a guy that you bring over to the roster and no matter what, if you need some minutes in a game, regardless of the matchup, you could put him out there. There's a world where Giles, like, remember, go back to the first preseason game. Harry Giles looked a little bit slow. Like, you know, I don't know if you're going to see the same level of ability game in, game out, whether it's on the offensive glass or defensively. And the Nets want to maybe switch a lot of things. They're trying to work on that drop coverage and fighting over screens. So I think Watford has the requisite skill set there. You mentioned the ball handling. And then the other thing that I'll even, I'll compare it just to Giles when we're looking at these players. Watford is also a solid free throw shooter, which like if you're talking about guys that you need to be able to get the ball in their hands and attack at the basket, if he, if he shares the court with Ben Simmons or Dennis Smith Jr. when he's back fully healthy from the ankle tweak, like you want a guy that if called upon gets to the line. Because guess what? Harry Giles represent the exact same problem you feel like you could have with Ben Simmons and Nicholas Claxton. Now it gets in late game sequences. He happens to be on the floor. All right, we'll foul him. We'll put his sub 50% free throw shooting to the test at the line. So for all those reasons, age otherwise, it feels like the Nets may have with Trenton and Watford grabbed a player at just the right moment to catch him as he rises and maybe walk themselves into real value even beyond this season. So that's why I, uh, he would be my vote to keep around over these other two. Totally. I, I agree. I, there's just too many too many other boxes that get checked with him, I think, that in terms of – and you just listed them all. Like, I, I forgot the, the Giles age part because, like, 
he's is kind of old for having not played in the league. He hasn't been in the league forever. He's a massive injury risk, right? Like, cause he's been basically injured the entire time he's been in the NBA. It sucks. I hate to think about that in terms of just the you know, decisions, but it has to be part of it. Like, it's not like he's not exactly young and he's not exactly been healthy. So you have these two risks right off the bat with him that you just don't have with someone three years younger. And there's, I think that part of it, the versatility, the Nets need versatility. They have a, they have a roster that's deeply flawed. It's just it just is. Like I I'm excited for the roster. This is a flawed roster. They need guys that can fill in as many different roles as possible. And by the way, when we talk about filling in roles, we talk about the veterans. So Dorian Finney-Smith, whether or not we think this is the perfectly constructed roster or the model by which the Nets want to operate, potentially playing some small ball is going to be an issue. Well, you can look and say, I can bring in Trendon Watt. Like he can play behind Dorian Finney-Smith and say, there's some three-point shooting there. Again, getting to the line has more ball handling potential than Dorian Finney-Smith. There's no, there's no defensive value, quote unquote, right now to uh, Trendon Watford outside of that he is a bigger body. So, And by the way, that counts for something for the Brooklyn Nets when you just get into really bad switches at times. But his rating right. hasn't been strong at that end of the court. But if you if you put it through that prism of what the Nets have been willing to go with, that also makes a stronger case for Trendon Watford. You fill into a spot where, let's say, at the, at the trade deadline, Dorian Finney-Smith, an offer gets made, can I, can I live with Trendon Watford getting bigger minutes in the second half of the season because you got some draft capital for Dorian Finney-Smith? 100%, right? And that's where I think that the Nets will probably, from a front office perspective, look to strike the balance here. How do we prepare for the exiting of veteran players and still make sure that we have athleticism and versatility? Because that's something, regardless of position, has plagued them in the post Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving versions of these teams. And frankly, yeah. before them and even during them, just not having enough versatility on the roster to be able to plug and play when you need that coverage. Right. Just to piggyback that, go list the players that Watford can play with on the team and list the players or they, they can't play with on the team and list the players that right. Childs can't play with on the team. Like just from that math problem, like you are, we already know two other players for sure that Giles cannot play with right. Claxton and Claxton and Sharp. Right. That's just so you already listed two. And and you could really probably make a pretty strong case that he really probably can't play that much with Simmons either. Um, Starting so, unit, Ben Simmons, Nicholas Claxton. Second unit, Harry Giles the third, and Dayron Sharp. Doug, I don't understand so, why you're talking about problems here. So just from that standpoint, I think you start to like outline the the piece. Now, I think with Brooks, who we'll get to in a second, it's a little different. Yeah. But um, like for these two guys, if I'm just looking at them one on one, like the, we just have to look at versatility again. This I'll say this all three segments here. This is why I wish. Royce and DFS, like they had made some decisions on about just moving past and just getting some draft capital for if possible and just getting out of this and not have this problem. And like, let's just deal, let's be a 38 win team or whatever, and just deal with like, and try to develop some of these guys. And there's just roadblocks to some of these dudes now. Coming up here in a second, we'll take a look at Armani Brooks. We set it all off season, three point shooting perimeter touch. Is there a world where Armani Brooks solves a problem that the Nets created this offseason? We dive into that coming up next. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA and get on your way to being your best self. Look, we've all gone through these times where you knew like something was good for you, but you weren't sure if you could just get yourself going for it. Like you didn't know if you needed to just be able to turn your brain off. You didn't know if you needed to be able to deal with these life situations that come up to be your best self. I know I've felt this before in the past too. Just sometimes I feel like my brain's getting in the way and that can seem like a little bit of a humble brag, but sometimes it just means overthinking, 
just too much stress you're putting on yourself. This is where BetterHelp comes into the equation. If you've benefited from therapy, you know that BetterHelp is going to be the place to turn. If you haven't tried it before, go try it now. What's stopping you? What's trying to stop you from being your best self? BetterHelp's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. All you got to do with BetterHelp, you fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. You need to find someone that lines up with your needs when it comes to mental health. This is where BetterHelp gets going for you. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off of your first month that's betterhelp help.com slash locked on MBA. All right. So as we continue our conversation around the Brooklyn Nets and the expectations for where we think this team can go with these three players all have an opportunity to grab a roster spot if they perform to a certain level. Armani Brooks. I remember Doug originally in summer league and watching his performances. We talked about at the time, Cam Thomas and, and, and putting as many players on this roster that were in front of and right behind him. Now, thankfully it looks like Jock Vaughn and the Brooklyn Nets woke up and decided, you know what? Maybe our first round draft pick should play some basketball. So that's exciting. But Armani Brooks hasn't stopped putting together solid performances. And we said, the three-point shooting is is devoid. And even that second preseason game where Ben Simmons is orchestrating and, and you got Spencer Dinwiddie knocking him down and you have Mikhail Bridges finding his rhythm and we know Cameron Johnson isn't there yet. You need as much perimeter shooting as possible. Armani Brooks does this. And guess what? The guy we're waiting to hear back who is looks like he's about just a uh, week to week is Dennis Smith Jr. Should be back in a week with the ankle and a walking boot at the uh, practice in the park. He doesn't shoot the three. So why not take a chance on a guy that is proven at the NBA level at a minimum, he can knock down those outside looks. Yeah, he's a specialist and, you know, undersized, probably two guard. We already understand that Nets fans have been down the road with two guards who probably had limitations in other spots, i.e. Seth Curry and Patty Mills. And I guess Joe, Joe Harris, to some degree, uh, he was bigger, but still had defensive limitations. So we know this kind of player has been problematic for the Nets, but it's also brought value that I think has been like sort of not fully recognized by fans at times. And they, they, I, I know everyone's going to, people have pushed back against this. The Nets are going to have a spacing problem this year. I think there's no, I, I, I'm actually shocked whenever I hear people say that they're not, <laughs> right? Because they, again, they're two preseason games in where they've had two players on their, in their starting five that have not, have taken zero three pointers. Like in the modern NBA, that just doesn't happen, right? They're in last game, it was Giles and Simmons. And the game before it was Claxton and Simmons. Like they just have, I think, potentially real you know, spacing issues. Now, again, that's Cameron Johnson's in there. Like you're going to get, you know, they're missing a guy who's going to take some of the stuff. Brooks has shot the ball. He shot the lights out of the place in summer league. He has already come in and shot five for 12 from three in the two preseason games. He's the minutes will have you think that he's probably last on this list in terms of like guys are going to get a spot. And I don't know. Maybe you're like, okay, well there's too much overlap with Lonnie Walker, right? Like there's these other, you know, there's other guys here. But there's just a real case that they just need shoot. They're going to need shooters at some point, and they just don't really have a roster full of like sort of on ball catch and shoot athletic shooters. And I I already can probably tell what the comments are going to be that are going to push back against this. But <laughs> like, I just think he represents a kind of guy that they don't have that is not the worst kind of dude to have all the way at the end of the bench. Well, and now here's the point too on this, which we haven't brought out throughout this discussion yet. 
to this point is that having a guy like Armani Brooks, he's also 25 years old, but you mentioned being a specialist, having a trend in Watford who we think could have some upside. If you bring players in, like we're talking about, well, this is why Dorian Finney-Smith, why Royce O'Neal, maybe even why Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, they, these guys shouldn't be a part of this roster so you can get a look at these young players. These A, a guy like Armani Brooks, you might be able to trade him at the deadline as well if you provide a sample size throughout the course of the first half of the season that he is someone who can consistently contribute for you. So maybe it's him, maybe it's Lonnie Walker. You don't know, but I think having the most viable options for teams to be interested in, depending on how the season goes, that matters as well. So that, that to me would be a feather in the cap of Armani Brooks. And here's the other thing too. When you go and look at, you mentioned about, well, you have Lonnie Walker there. Isn't that already his role? Yes. But whether it's in the starting rotation, Lonnie Walker is going to get a little bit of run. Whether it's getting into the second unit where we, we've we already listed, we don't know beyond the veteran players that we've seen with this team. We don't know who the next wave of shooters, pure shooters is going to be. And as we know, outside shots are streaky. Do I want to have just Lonnie Walker and say, I yeah, had an off night. He went one for eight from beyond the arc. Or do I want to be able to pull the trigger and say, Armani Brooks, why don't you go ahead and see if you can catch fire here a little bit? That's a part of this that I think matters, too, for the Brooklyn Nets. And you mentioned Joe Harris. They're not the same type of player. But this feels similar to when they went and found him off of Cleveland and then all of a sudden gave him a role. This is not the same percentage shooter. But I like the idea of maybe uncovering a guy in the offseason and you get a more dominant role with a team that is not playing at the highest possible level as championship aspiring teams. Yeah, look, we know Ben Simmons is elite at finding three-point shooters, right? Like, this is where spacing around him is pretty critical. Again, I'm not worried about guys like Bridges. I'm not worried about guys like Cameron Johnson. I'm not even really worried about Cam Thomas, so to speak. It's just when we get into the bench that I do have real concerns about, like, where shooting comes in these second units. You mentioned DSJ, not a shooter. A lot of these other guys aren't shooters. Like, even, yeah, okay, Royce, pop, stop and pop. Okay, it's mostly there. Dorian Finney-Smith has not solved this, right? Like, it, it right. It didn't carry over. It didn't carry over from Dallas, and it has not carried over into the preseason at all. So I'm really yeah. worried about that's the spacing from his point of view. And I'm not worried about Lonnie Walker, but I just at some point you have to have more three point shooters than the Nets have. They just don't really have these guys in abundance. And I think we're gonna see this as the season goes on. I I will make bold predictions like going into the season, I, I'm going to have some bold predictions around like where the Nets land with overall three point shooting this year. I, I don't mm -hmm. even think it's bold. Um, I just, I've just gotten pushback from fans the last couple of weeks, whenever I've said this and it's always shocking to me, but they're just going to be, they just don't have enough of these guys. Like I, they, they just don't. And, and I'm just, I'm worried about it. And Brooks clearly has the skill. And my tease along those lines before we get out the door is that, remember, you have Jalen Wilson on the two-way. You want to get him minutes throughout this season. You have Derek Whitehead, who now looks like they said at media day, he will play this season at the NBA level coming off of that injury. So they're ready to move him into that rotation as well at some point. That's why you want to make sure that the veterans on this roster are not in the way of giving minutes to some of these young players. But that's all for another day, Doug. I think it's going to be a point of frustration. I do. I just to close this out, I think we're going to see, yeah. especially like you said, if these guys land on other teams and do oh, anything, and, and it's like we're going to have yeah. Oh, we'll have if if it's like you know twenty, you know, let's let's say it's like a combined thirty-two minutes. Maybe it's going to be more. Let's say thirty-two minutes a game for Royce O'Neal and DFS, like to start the season to start the season or something like that. And one of these guys lands on our team and actually does something. Forget it. I mean, yeah. like it'll be. We'll we'll do. 
there's to be some, you know, proverbial hair pulling uh, out of our own hair. Um, you know, other people, not me. Doug's going to uh, pull my hair out. All right, we're going to get out of here. Again, join subtext.com. Join the Locked On Nets inside talk here. Text one-on-one with Adam and I. Join subtext.com. Get in on the action. We've been loving subtext. You will too. Join subtext.com slash Locked On Nets. Too much of anything is bad, but too much good whiskey is barely enough. That's Shania Twain's grandfather, Mark Twain. (laughs) That one got me. (laughs) One of the... One of the... We're in regular season form now, baby. Oh, that one, that one, that one snuck up on me. One of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. <laughs>